Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the RV32 preseason team preview series. My name is Mike Randall. You can follow me at RandallRant on Twitter. Today is the Pittsburgh Steelers preview of the 2018 Hashtag RV32 team preview series, a special edition of Rotobiz Radio. I'm going to be joined in just a few moments by Chris Adamski, who is a Steelers reporter for the Pittsburgh Tribune Review. You can follow him on Twitter at C underscore Adamski Trib. But before we get started, I want to let all of you know that as a listener to the podcast, you can say Save yourself 30% on a Rotoviz NFL pass at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. The subscription gives you access to all the NFL content and tools, and best of all, it helps support the pod. For those of you who don't know, Rotoviz is a sports data and analytics site that publishes over a thousand articles per year and has a suite of more than 20 proprietary apps. Please go to rotoviz.com to check out the site. Again, our guest today is Chris Adamski from the Tribune Review. In this episode, he talks about why James Conner is the handcuff to own for Le'Veon Bell, the potential of James Washington as the third wide receiver in Pittsburgh, and whether the Steelers can return to the days of using their tight end as a legitimate offensive weapon. After the interview, we'll take a few minutes to consider what Chris said and take a closer look at the Steelers' offensive playmakers using some of the great apps at Rotoviz. And now, let's bring on the guest. We're pleased to welcome to the show Chris Adamski, who's a Steelers reporter for the Tribune Review in Pittsburgh. You can follow him on Twitter at C underscore Adamski Trib. He joins us for a few minutes on the RB32 team preview series to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Chris, thanks for a few minutes today. How you doing? I can't complain. You know, it's a good time of year with football about to start here. Yeah, it really is an exciting time. And with the third preseason game coming up, this is really where things start to get amped up. 
Let's take a look at the coaching changes. The Steelers chose not to renew offensive coordinator Todd Haley in January. They promoted longtime assistant Randy Fitchner to the OC position. We've heard rumblings about the relationship between Haley and Ben Roethlisberger over the last few years, how sometimes they really didn't see eye to eye. How do things seem to be on the offensive side of the ball this preseason so far, and what can we expect from a Fitchner-led offense that's going to be different from last year? Uh, you know, the, the overall scheme shouldn't be too, too much different. Randy, you know, worked obviously under Todd and, and was part of this offense for the, for the well, Mike Palmer was hired 11 years ago. And, uh, he, you know, he's familiar with what they do. It's obviously worked generally over the past, you know, five or six years anyway. Four or five years, the offense has been one of the best in the league. So we don't expect any, you know, huge changes along those lines or anything. There's a lot of rumblings, and I believe, even talked to Randy Fickner, like to get the, the tight end a little more involved than maybe we saw in the past. Uh, but, of course, that is – I always taught Hilly anything against using tight ends, but it was the off-time personnel. Uh, you know, Heath Miller uh, was a great tight end, of course. Uh, and, you know, all-time team were great, but that was the tail end of his career here when he was here. Um, they, they tried Ladarius Green. You know, if they would have Ladarius Green to help Ladarius Green, but they would have loved Ladarius Green if they thought they were going to get, he would have been uh, heavily targeted under Todd Haley. Uh, and you know, Jesse James, a good quality NFL tight end, but I don't know if they see through him as kind of a game-breaking receiving tight end uh, that, that, that they want. So uh, I think if we could see a lot more use of tight end this year, uh, uh, but if we do, it'll be because McDonald is healthy for the full season. He's integrated in the offense. And to be honest, uh, Vance has never really been healthy for long stretches of time, and he's not been helping this whole training camp. So that's a big if. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that's sort of the focus here as we turn to the running backs. Le'Veon Bell, uh, we're still waiting to hear. Now, he missed the preseason last year and had a phenomenal season. We've seen James Conner. He certainly has looked real strong, and, and we've been reading that Jalen Samuels is taking sort of more of the snaps and more of the touches in the, in the backfield as well. So talk to us about Bell. Uh, you know, it's it's hard to envision him coming in without having a training camp again and, and being dominant, but if anybody can do it, it's him. And then talk about who would sort of be the person there if Bell were to get hurt or to miss time, James Conner, Jalen Samuels, or would it be sort of a mix between the two? Yeah, I think you know, James Conner has looked much improved from last season. Uh, you know, I thought maybe he was drafted a little bit high, and, you know, I don't think he showed much during last season to show he could be a, a permanent, you know, a starting, you know, a, you know, featured back in the league necessarily. Uh, but I, he looked much better this camp. He's in better shape. I, I think he's shown he's a better blocker than he was last year. So that just leads to more opportunities and more playing time, more snaps uh, from your perspective, uh, from fantasy players' perspective. I know blocking doesn't matter, but uh, if, if the coaches don't trust him to block, he's not going to be on the field. Uh, so I think he's, he's shown he's a viable um, fill-in for Bell. If, if you know, if Bell gets hurt down the line, or maybe we don't know for sure he's going to show up next week or two weeks from now, as everybody expects, um, there's a chance maybe he'll just hold out on the bench in the regular season, or it's not really a holdout, but you get the idea. Uh, it, it, so I think Connor is a, is a viable NFL running back uh, right now. Jalen Samuels, I, I think he'll make the team, but I, I, I sort of cautioned because I don't know if the Steelers have figured out what they have in him or how to use him. Uh, he hasn't really jumped off the page at you or jumped off the field at you when you, when you watch practice. Um, and, and they're trying to kind of figure out where they can use him. And, and, uh, so they're going to keep him, I, I, I believe, and, and they'll give him some kind of role because that's why they drafted him and they think he can do different things. But uh, I, I, I'm not going to say he's an extra archer at all, but uh, I, I, there's definitely a chance that uh, the Steelers took this kind of, you know, 
puzzle piece or this, uh, you know, uh, uh, toy to use on offense, and they don't really know exactly how to use it. At least they have, from what I've seen in practice. That's my opinion. Maybe they'll come out week one and they'll look like, like a bunch of big plays. But I, I don't know where Jalen Samuels exactly fits in, what they plan on it, exactly doing with him as of right now. And, you know, if he's just the third running back, that doesn't really mean too much. And But they'll probably get him on the field a little bit, and, and, you know, whether it be in the, the spot of receiver or whether it be a, you know, a two-point conversion type play or a third two, wherever it might be, uh, kind of a short yards but not a really short yards type play. And, maybe give him some sort of a gadget play. So I don't know where Samuels fits in exactly yet in, in the Steelers' offense. You know, they drafted him in, in the fifth round, Chris, and obviously that was to bolster the offense and to give Ben Roethlisberger another weapon. I'm just curious, how does how does Ben sort of fit into this whole whole scheme here? I mean, obviously he's been a fantastic quarterback over his entire career. You know, over the last few years, he's been at his best at the end of the season. You know, I feel like every time we see a Steeler game in the cold, Late in the season, that's when Ben really shines. Four touchdowns, five touchdowns a few years ago, you know. But in the beginning of the season, it can be some ups and downs in terms of the consistency. They they drafted Mason Rudolph, of course, and there were some issues there early on, maybe rumblings whether Ben's going to help him or not. But I assume that worked itself out. What do you see, Ben? The focus on the offense, and, and how has he his relationship with Mason Rudolph been so far in in preseason? Yeah. I- you know, it's, I'll be totally honest, and I was totally wrong. I, around, you know, um, after four weeks or so last year, I thought, you know, Ben was, uh, I thought this might be the beginning of the end for Ben, and he was kind of holding the offense back, I thought, and uh, everything else was in place with Steelers at that point, and, I, and they were getting just, you know, mediocre quarterback play. And I wondered at age 35 if that was it. And, and uh, to Ben's credit, to my, uh, not the first time I've been wrong, uh, you know, he, the, the second half of last season, he was one of the better quarterbacks in the league. And, and you know, and listen, it's practice. It's hard to tell, especially somebody at his age, and he doesn't practice as much as, as he did earlier in his, his career. And, you know, what he does in the field is going to matter more. But he certainly looks the part uh, this, this preseason in terms of, uh, you know, his body. In terms of, he seems in better shape. He, you know, he looks crisp out there. And his plays and everything they can try, you know, in these in these setting team drills we saw during training camp. So, um, you know, I, I'm back to back on the uh, the Ben bandwagon, and uh, I still expect him to be one of the top quarterbacks in, in the league this year. Uh, you know, that was made about um, his whatever his relationship with Mason Rudolph and and, and being, uh, you know, I, I don't any doubt he was ticked off. They used a third round pick on a quarterback a year after they used a, 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 a what a, a fifth round pick on a quarterback, a fourth round pick on a quarterback, and Josh Dobbs. So that's two mid-round picks now. That, in theory, it's not so much, although I'm sure there is a little bit of ego in that from Ben's perspective, take another quarterback. I think it's more than, hey, we could have, you know, we could have got him, uh, you know, uh, uh, whatever. Uh, somebody else on defense there. We could have got an inside linebacker there. We, we could have got, uh, you know, we wouldn't have maybe used another pick on, on an offensive lineman or maybe a guard of the future or something like that. So, um, in, in theory, that kind of hurts the Steelers in some ways. You didn't get a player in those two picks. So, I think it annoyed him in that way. Uh, Rudolph isn't ready right now. He's, Rudolph is a no threat to Ben whatsoever uh, this season as we speak now. Um, that doesn't mean he can't be a good, good quarterback in the future. It doesn't mean you know he might surpass Ben after another year of experience. If Ben gets a little older and his field still deteriorate, but right now there's a wide, wide gap between Ben and Mason Rudolph and, and, and Landry Jones. And to be honest, Landry Jones above Mason Rudolph right now in terms of. Who's ready? So it's kind of surprising because Rudolph really looked in the summer workouts, uh, you know, and, and the football and shorts, as Mike Tomlin likes to say, looked like he was one of the best backup quarterbacks they've had in a while. But 
I don't say regress, but uh, I think it's a kind of a shot of reality for a rookie. And, uh, and I don't want to say it's bad whatsoever. I think he's still has a good, real good future ahead of him. And you see, you definitely see what it, what what this sounds like about him, what the Steelers like about him. I think he will be a good quarterback in the future. But in 2018, he's not ready to be an NFL starting quarterback. Yeah, and certainly as the as the longtime veteran starting quarterback, you're going to want as many offensive playmakers as possible. So I, I understand his initial thoughts on Rudolph, but certainly the way James Washington has flashed, and, and of course he has a Hall of Fame, future Hall of Fame wide receiver in Antonio Brown, and the way that Washington has played, and, and Juju Smith-Schuster had a fantastic year last year, I, I would think he's real confident. Talk a little bit about you know Washington, and it seems when the Steelers draft a Washington, Wide receiver, they always end up making a big splash. They always get it right, the Steelers, you know, with those wide receivers. But Martavis Bryant now in Oakland, of course. But it seems that there's three real solid playmakers for Ben at the receiving position, no? Yeah, that's what kind of fascinates me, too, is about, you know, people talk about the receivers the way they've drafted and these receivers. And they're not really a common thread with these receivers they've been drafting and finding these kind of hidden gems either. They've, at times, they've taken the, uh, you know, the, the combine more area. You know, Mike Wallace was a Fastest receiver that year, and, and uh, Martavis Bryant, of course, is a overall just athletic freak in terms of his size, and strength, and speed. Um, but, but you know, those two guys who maybe you know and have the production in college or whatever it is. And then there's guys like James Washington and Antonio Brown. I know Antonio Brown was a six-round pick, so it's kind of like a flyer. But um, you, know, you know, Antonio Brown is not—he's not even—you know—he's probably he might be the I don't say slowest, but he's in the bottom half of slow receivers in his own roster. And in terms of size, of course, he might be one of the smallest, too. So uh, at times they've done that, and then they found gems, too. So it's kind of amazing what they've done. And James Washington kind of falls more in that category where he's not the fastest, he's not the biggest. And uh, But it's amazing how people forget that the, the primary skill set or primary most important skill for a wide receiver is to catch the football. And that's one thing James Washington does very well. He catches it. Um, and he, he'll go up and catch it, and in the old combat catches, as uh, Mike Tomlin likes to say, and they'll come down with the football. And uh, he's impressed. Everybody saw in the stadium the, the preseason game against the Packers. He made the two touchdown catches against, uh, you know, quality defense, strong defense, and uh, he does that stuff during camp all the time, too. So, uh, you know, it's very early, and, you know, you don't want to uh, anoint him a, a star or even a, a necessarily a starter. Remember, he's probably going to be booked. He can't be any better than third receiver here. He's not going to pass Antonio Brown or even Juju at this point. But, uh, yeah, having those three, it looks like that could be really, really a, a strong three to have for, for any quarterback. Chris, what are you hearing at the tight end position? Because Vance McDonald came in, he had a, a nice end of the year last year, real strong. Of course, you have Jesse James. It's McDonald is hurt again. Who, you know, the Steelers really used a, a player like Heath Miller as a huge offensive weapon right over the short to intermediate routes. Uh, Vance McDonald, Jesse James, where do you think that's going to shake out at the tight end position? The Steelers really like Vance McDonald. They like his skill set, and there is a skill set there um, that that can, you know, he's fast. Uh, you know, he's big. He, he could be a very good receiving tight end. Uh, now, as a as translate, this is his now seventh NFL season, sixth NFL season, and we haven't seen that yet uh, from the production-wise. Uh, a part of that is, you know, the revolving door of quarterbacks and coordinators and coaches and, and just the overall bad collection of teammates or low-quality collection of teammates he had in San Francisco over his career until last season. So that, that's a big part of it. Uh, but another big part of it is his health. Uh, he's never played a full season. He's had multiple injuries. He had four different injuries last season. The Steelers didn't acquire him until uh, the week and a half before the season began. And 
he had four injuries that kept him out of, of action. And then this camp, he's hardly practiced preseason. He's hardly practiced at all. He did, I think, believe the first three, and he got hurt. He ends up back in the practice field sit. So uh, that's the biggest worry, legitimate worry. He'll never get on the field, and, and he won't be healthy. And, and uh, if, if he's not, I, the longer this drags on here and he's not practicing, he's not playing, um, you know, regular season, it's not that far away. So uh, I, I think there, there might be legitimate worry. He might not be ready for September 9th at this point, and that's the biggest issue. I think if he has been healthy all camp and, and he stays healthy and he is healthy and, and um, you know, he's able to have a good camp and practice and establish more rapport with Ben and everything, I, I think he really could have been a real breakout candidate at the tight end position. But now I, I, just, I think there's a point where it's hard to trust him staying healthy and staying on the field. And if that's not the case, uh, I mean, against James, it's the opposite. He's just reliable. Uh, he has he's, uh, never missed any time because injury last year he had a shoulder early on. But he played through it, maybe affected him some. Uh, but uh, I don't think he's ever going to be a, a dynamic in terms of fantasy in terms or in terms of production. Uh, he'd be a dynamic tight end in the NFL. Chris, we really appreciate a few minutes here on the Steelers. One more question, and then we'll let you go. So, you know, this every year the Steelers are, are Super Bowl contenders. There's no doubt about that. And, and certainly them and the Patriots are, are obviously the leads in the, in the AFC. The Vegas has their over-under win total at 10.5 this year. I, I think a lot will have to do with the defense, especially the health of the defense right now. I know they're a little banged up. So with all things considered, the explosive offense, hopefully the defense gets healthy. Where do you say, see the Steelers being this year, where they end up, and, and, and playoff aspirations? What's your prediction? Yeah, I, I mean, I think they'll win the AFC North because I don't think, I mean, I don't think Cleveland's ready and they make that kind of jump from uh, 1-31 to 10 for a division title. If you throw that out right away, I think I think Cincinnati's is no good. <laughs> and uh, I think you got Baltimore. And I, I don't know if Baltimore is, you know, I see you're essentially competing with one team. I think the Steelers will, will finish ahead of the Ravens. Now, you know, last year they were 13-3. and three. Um, uh, you know, There was a lot of, a ton of one-possession games there. And, hey, that's the NFL. Most games in the NFL are one-possession games. So that doesn't take anything away from them. Uh, but uh, I don't know if 13-3 was a little bit, uh, you know, uh, sort of overachieving maybe, as it is for most teams. Uh, so, you know, I think there'll be a little bit of fallback. I, I think it's 10.5 is a, a, you know, a, a tough number, a, a good number to, to set it at, because I think that's where I kind of predict them is right around, you know, 10-6, and six and, and, and you know, maybe they get to 11-5. But, um, I mean, there's still a lot of questions about this team. The defense right now, we, uh, you know, we saw in the second preseason game against Green Bay, uh, you know, where they're, you know, they were gashed in a lot of ways. The back is not been very good. You have they still don't really replace Ryan Chazier. That's an issue. Uh, they've had a bunch of, of bodies in the secondary. They're trying to figure that out. Um, I, I think there's still a lot of questions. That, you know, some of your players are, are up for extensions next year. Like an Artie Burns or a, and, and a Sean Davis are, are, are they established now as the starters, or, or, or do you maybe look somewhere else here soon? So. There's a ton of question marks still involved. It's Le'Veon Bell. We touched on him real quick, you know, to see what, where it was, you know, if he's the star player that, that he's been in recent years. So I don't get the slam talk whatsoever, but, you know, I, I think the Steelers will win the division and, and get around the, right around the center of the win mark. Uh, Chris, we can't thank you enough, folks. That's Chris Adamski, Steelers reporter for the Pittsburgh Tribune Review. Please follow him on Twitter at C underscore Adamski Trib. Uh, Chris, thank you for a few minutes. You gave us so much insight there on Pittsburgh, and and good luck this season. We'll catch up with you during the season. All right. Take care. Yeah. Thanks, Tom. That was Chris Adamski, Steelers reporter for the Pittsburgh Tribune Review. When we return, we'll take a few minutes to consider what Chris said. 
As you know, the NFL season is quickly approaching. Get ready for it with a subscription to a Rotoviz NFL Pass, which you can get right now for 30% off. This discount is for listeners of the podcast only, and it's available through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our NFL content and tools, and best of all, it helps support the pod. Again, be sure to get your 30% discount for an NFL Pass at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. We thank Chris Adamski from the Pittsburgh Tribune Review for joining us on the RV32 team preview series here for the Steelers. Chris gave us a lot of insight. He's been covering the Steelers for a while. And real interesting here with with Pittsburgh. So their top fantasy players are pretty much set. Ben Roethlisberger, Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown. Last year, Juju Smith-Schuster joined the fray. So that's not going to change. There really wasn't a lot of insight needed for them. Antonio Brown is your top receiver off the board. If you like DeAndre Hopkins, I guess you can put him ahead. But Brown and Hopkins are certainly one and two right there. Le'Veon Bell is holding out, which we'll get to in a minute. But when he returns, he's certainly one of the top five fantasy running backs. And Ben Roethlisberger, you heard what Chris said, how he kind of thought Ben Roethlisberger was done. And he was talking about retirement. Maybe he wasn't performing as well, particularly at the beginning of the year. But again, he turned it on yet again and always seems to be playing his best football once the Steelers hit the playoffs. Now, the first thing we want to talk about here is the backup to Le'Veon Bell. Now, look, Le'Veon Bell has been fantastic when he's been on the field in his career, but it's worthy to note that he did miss games in 2013, 2015, and 2016. So Le'Veon Bell in his rookie season had a foot sprain in the preseason. He had a concussion in week 13 in 2013. In 2014, he had a knee hyperextension, didn't miss any games, but got injured there. And then in 2015, he had the MCL and PCL tear, which was really devastating, missed eight games that season. Then in 2016, he was back, but he was suspended for the first four games of the season for violating the league's substance abuse policy. So really up until last year, the only season he had a full year was 2014. So it's amazing, even with the franchise tag, that sort of Le'Veon Bell has shook that injury bug, that injury reputation. And and again, he's sitting out the entire preseason. Now, he sat it out last year and had a fantastic season, had 1,291 rushing yards, had nine rushing touchdowns. He had 85 receptions, which was incredible, 655 yards, two receiving touchdowns. But he's sitting out the preseason again, which makes me a little concerned about injury. Now, we don't want to put too much you know, stock in that. But it's worth noting that clearly James Conner is the running back to own behind him. He has separated himself. He talked about Jalen Samuels and how while he's a dynamic player, he's sort of one that the coaching staff hasn't found a spot for yet. So Jalen Samuels coming in to training camp was thought maybe being able to push James Conner for that backup role. It is clear that it's Conner's right now. And that's worth noting because if Bell's holdout extends into the season or he does miss time, this is a backfield that is worth taking a look at. James Conner can very much do what D'Angelo Williams did a few years ago, which was give you strong RB1 production even when Bell is out. Conner is a guy who, when he was at Pittsburgh, he played the four years there at Pittsburgh. Did not have a ton of receptions his first few seasons, only had three, five, and one. But then his last year at Pittsburgh, not only did he have over a thousand yards rushing, not only did he have 16 rushing touchdowns, he also had 21 receptions for 302 yards and four touchdowns. So he is a running and receiving back. He's a true three down back there, and he has earned the right to be the handcuff to Le'Veon Bell and certainly someone that you're want you're going to want to take on the wire. I like to team backfield draft from time to time. If you invest in Le'Veon Bell, 
NFL, having not seen him play in the preseason whatsoever, and just simply are going to roll the dice that he's going to perform at this top upper echelon level without practicing in the preseason again, I think you're being a little foolish. So it may be worthwhile holding on to James Conner there as that, as that last pick at the end of your draft, just to make sure that you have that handcuff. And now what I want to do is use the fantastic Rotoviz projection machine. If you go to rotoviz.com and you go to fantasy football draft prep, and right now all of you are in your redraft leagues, you're about to get started, you may be doing it this weekend. This is the tool that you need to have. It's projection machine on Rotoviz, and it allows us to take a look at all the offensive playmakers and give our best guess as to what we think their seasons are going to look like. So if you look the, look at the projection machine, and and the great part about this is Dave Cabin had done a fantastic job setting up here the last few seasons, so you can make your best guess. So for example, on projection machine, if you look at the pass attempts for the Steelers each of the last five years, it's been high. 500 or low 600 passing attempts, 586, 612, 590, 596, 590. The rushing attempts have hovered between high 300s and low 400s. So this season, given that Bell is going to be out until probably game one or beyond, I'm going to think that this is going to push even more pass heavy. So while their splits are usually 58 57% to 42-43% in favor of pass, I'm going to go 60-40. Now, I'm going to give them a 60% pass attempt number in their offense and 40% rushing attempts. Now, Ben, over the last few years, has actually had 6% of the rushes. He does like to run, especially when they get near the goal line. I think they're going to hold off on that because if Roethlisberger gets injured, he talked about the backup being Landry Jones. This team certainly does fall off, so they have to keep him healthy. That's that's paramount in their success. So I'll knock his rushing percentage back to four. Le'Veon Bell carried 73% of the rushes last year. Just an incredible workload. 70%, 73%, 69%. That's where he usually is. I'm going to give him 68%. I'm going to buy into James Conner getting some more rushing attempts as well. So I'll give him 68, James Conner 12%, and then the rest of the running backs will share the 16%. On the target side, Le'Veon Bell got 18% of the targets last year. I'm actually going to dial that up a notch to 19%. I see this being more of a pass offense. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to run the balls effectively. I I just see them skewing more towards the pass. That's when they're at their best. So I'll give him 19% of the targets. I'll give 4% to James Conner, which I think is very solid. And then when you look at the receiving core, this is where it gets interesting. We talked about what the impact of James Washington could be on this offense. Well, I think it's very simple. Antonio Brown's a future Hall of Famer. He's, like I said, one or two in terms of the best receiver in the game. Last year, Martavis Bryant got 14% of the targets and Juju Smith-Schuster got 13. So I think that's a relevant number because last year, Juju had... 58 receptions, 917 yards, and 7 touchdowns. So the Steelers have already shown you that they can use that third wide receiver very effectively. And Martavis Bryant, as the second option last year, had 50 receptions for 3 touchdowns. So looking at it this season, I am going to give 26% to Antonio Brown in terms of the targets. That's a little less than he normally gets. He's normally around 28-29% each of the last 5 years or so. I'll give 16% to Juju and 13% to James Washington. So I think Juju sees some more targets, which takes from Antonio Brown. I think that's reasonable. And I'll even give 13% to James Washington, which is the exact amount, percentage of targets, 
that Juju had last year when he was the third receiver. So looking at with those numbers plugged in, looking at Ben's production, I have him getting over 4,000 yards. I have him throwing 30 touchdown passes. It would be the third time in his career that he would get the 30 touchdowns. And we can't predict injuries. We're not doctors. But I think if Ben stays healthy, 30 touchdowns is a lock in this offense, even with Fitchner as the new offensive coordinator. I'll give him 13 interceptions. It's about where he normally is, 14, 13, 16, 9, and 14 each of the last five years. And I'll give him... I'm not going to give him any rushing touchdowns because I think they will try to hold that back. Looking at the running backs, listen, Le'Veon Bell does not usually get to double-digit rushing touchdowns, and I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. I will give him eight rushing touchdowns. I give him 91 receptions, which I think is a, is, a, is a very strong number. That would be the most receptions of his career. And I'll give him the two receiving touchdowns, so that certainly makes him an RB1, 10 total touchdowns. I think James Conner is certainly going to be effective. I'll give him three rushing touchdowns and one receiving as well to go with 20 receptions. So if Bell were to miss some time, I don't think they miss a beat with James Conner. He's obviously not as dynamic as Le'Veon Bell, but neither was D'Angelo Williams, who was 32, 33 years old. So I think if James, if Le'Veon Bell goes down, you can start James Conner with confidence as an RB1. Looking at the receivers, death taxes and Antonio Brown. I have him getting 101 receptions, which is right in line what he normally gets. He usually gets a little bit more, but I'll give him 101 on 156 targets. That would be that 26% of what uh, the targets for the team. I give him 11 touchdowns, which again makes him a solid top wide receiver fantasy option for you. I'll give Juju Smith-Schuster 70 receptions. 1,100 yards, so Juju will also get over the 1,000-yard mark and eight touchdowns, and I will give James Washington seven touchdowns, which is the same amount that Juju had last year. So I have 101 receptions for Antonio Brown, 70 for Juju Smith-Schuster, and 57 receptions for James Washington. And then when you look at the tight ends, it, it certainly seemed like he liked Vance McDonald. Chris liked Vance McDonald's potential. But the injuries could be an issue. So if James Washington is going to pop and Juju Smith-Schuster is going to be as effective as he was last year, not as minimally effective as Martavis Bryant, that's got to affect some of the touchdowns somewhere. I see Vance McDonald getting 55 receptions, Jesse James getting about 30. I think that's reasonable. I don't see them as being high end zone targets. Vance McDonald could be up and down with the injuries. Jesse James has been a loyal soldier, a good blocker. Maybe they grab a couple touchdowns here and there. But I believe in what I've seen in James Washington. So the majority of those touchdowns that are going from Ben Roethlisberger, I think, are going to the wide receivers. And, of course, maybe to Le'Veon Bell. So maybe Le'Veon only catches one receiving touchdown and you give Vance McDonald one more, however you want to cut it. But... If James Washington has that impact that we talk about, he's going to take away from somewhere. I think James Conner is going to step up as well. So I think it's another season for the Steelers with limited tight end production, and that's okay. Uh, I think maybe it's a first down sort of look for your tight end in the short to intermediate routes, but that's okay that they're not big touchdown makers because if you have a healthy Le'Veon Bell and you have these three wide receivers as explosive as they have looked, especially Washington, we know what we get from Brown and Smith-Schuster was great, this is going to be a potent offense, and you're not going to need the tight end to do more than block and catch some short passes. But once you get to that red zone, I think he's looking to the wide receivers, and I especially like Juju work in the inside there, Antonio Brown doing what he does, and James Washington in sort of the deep threat into the end zone if you need it. So that's the Pittsburgh offense with projection machine. It's going to be a good year in Pittsburgh. 
Depends on where you project them to be, but certainly I think they are right there. And they were that they were just one win away there, beating New England from maybe getting home field advantage throughout the playoffs last year, and that could have changed things because you know how fragile it can be when you get to playoff time. And that's going to do it for the Pittsburgh Steelers preview on the RV32 Rotovis team preview series. Again, our guest was Chris Adamski. You can follow him on Twitter at C underscore Adamski Trib. My name is Mike Randall. Please follow me on Twitter at Randall Rant. Please make sure to stay tuned as we finish up the preview. Just a couple more teams left. You come back here, get your information from the Rotovis team preview series and use it to win your fantasy leagues. And please make sure to follow the pod on Twitter at Rotovis Radio. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thank you for listening to the 2018 Rotoviz Radio Team Preview Series. Our assistant executive producer is Colin Kelly, and our executive producer is Matthew Friedman. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com, and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy Decoy by Duckhorn. Elevate your occasion. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory.